All right, so we're going to be in the book of Samuel, uh, chapter 15 today. Uh, last week we did chapter 14. Um, I'd also like to, I kind of forgot, um, if you guys wouldn't mind just through the week, keep uh, the Smiths, Pastor Smith and his wife in your prayers for the travel, um, that, that God would, would be with him and her and, and, and then also get them home safe. All right, so today we're going to be reading about Saul rejected as king. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 15, and we know through the lessons, um, through the few lessons before, that the king had been, had been seeing great military victories, but he also had made some serious mistakes uh, and the worst one would be in Samuel 13, 13 and 14. Uh, it was just a couple chapters ago. Um, hopefully you guys remember a couple chapters ago. Um, I'm going to try to refrain from making any kind of comments or jokes about that. But, um, so in uh, 1 Samuel 13, 13 and 14, you guys remember that um, <clears throat> Saul burned incense to the Lord. And that, that was not his job. So that was, that was, the, worst, that was the worst thing he had done. Uh, because if you guys remember, um, God set up the Levitical priesthood and all that for the priests and for the Levites. Uh, that was their job um, uh, to do. Nobody was supposed to do that except for the, the priests. And he took it upon himself to, to do that. Uh, and that was a transgression. That was a, that was a huge transgression. Um, in so much that I think later on in this lesson we'll, we'll kind of touch on um, how big a transgression it is. Um, so if we look at B here, Samuel delivers Saul a tra uh, strategic, and the word here is going to be command. Let's read through one through three. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of the hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. How he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So Saul gives, Samuel gives Saul a command from God. Um, this is something that was important to God. He wanted Saul to do, and he gave him a command. Um, Samuel prefaced his instruction with the word hearken. Um, if ever Saul should have listened, it should have been now. Um, if he ever should have listened carefully, it should have been now. Uh, if we go back and, and read, he says... Um, 
Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. And he put that word hearken for Saul to, to take note, to, to realize that this is something that he needs to be listening to. So he should have listened. Um, God was about, about to bring judgment on Amalek. And in Deuteronomy 25, let's turn to Deuteronomy real quick, chapter 25. I'm just going to read verse 17 through 19. It says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when you were come forth out of Egypt. Now he met thee by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou was faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thy enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. So in Deuteronomy we, we read that God was wroth at Amalek for what he did to the to the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. And what they did was, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they waited for them to pass and they attacked them from behind. And, and that really, really displeased God enough, to, enough for him to, 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 to make a judgment on them then that would come to fruition in our story today. Um, Sorry, guys. I'm a little nervous standing in front of my pastor. <laughs> For the first time. Um, so God was about to bring judgment on Amalek. It had been 400 years since Amalek ambushed Israel. Um, God told Saul to destroy Amalek. Killing what? All the humans and all the livestock. Saul assembled his army. In verse 4 it says, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them into lame. 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. So Saul gathered up his army. He listened to what uh, Samuel had told him. Um, if you look back or you think back to uh, chapter 14 and verse 2, he only had 600 men with him. And also, uh, go back to chapter 13 with me. Chapter 13, let's look at verse 15. It says, And Samuel arose and gat him up from Gilgal unto Gebeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. So he, he started with 600 men. But we see he's been gathering up his army. And now he's got thousands with him. 
uh, others joined in 14, chapter 14, 21, and 22. Uh, he kept recruiting in 1452. Now there were 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. So he've amassed this big army. Um, and D says, Saul smote the Amalekites. He smote the Amalekites. And we'll read in verse 7 here. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. So he smote the Amalekites. He did what God had told him. He did what Samuel had brought to him from God. Uh, he listened. Um, in verse 8 it says, And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So he did what God told him to do, supposedly, right? At least, at least in his eyes, he thought. Um, could that have been a little bit of pride by, by sparing Agag? Could he have had maybe a little bit of pride in himself to think that, I'm sure he didn't think, you know, I'm not going to destroy everybody. I don't want to do what God says. I'm sure he didn't think that. But, we can get into a place just like he did, I think, to where we, we kind of we downplay what sin is in our life and, and how bad really sin can be. We can downplay it, and I think that, that may have maybe entered into his, to his life. Um, so he smote them, and he, but he spared the king and the best of the livestock. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, we're in verse 8, and of the oxen, and of the, fat, the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, that they destroyed utterly. So he made sure he got rid of the bad stuff, but, but the kind of good stuff, they kind of thought that they'd, they'd hang on to, and maybe use. Um, and using good stuff is not a bad thing, you know? Uh, we want to get rid of things that are bad. We want to keep things that are good. But, but when God says to get rid of something, it needs to be getting rid of. Um, we, need to, we need to be obedient when we, when we hear something from the Lord that he wants us to do or wants us to give up. Um, you know, I've only been saved I've, six years now. And there's a lot of stuff that, that God, I, I don't think, but... God told me to give up um, drinking and, and going out and partying and smoking. Um, you know, that's, that's stuff that God laid on my heart to give up, and I did, and, and I'm thankful. And it, it wasn't me. It was, it, was, it was totally God that did that work. You know, he did that. I asked him, I said, please, take away the urge to smoke a cigarette. And I haven't had one since. So... You know, God's good. Um, so we see the command was utterly, to utterly destroy. This is number number two on D. The command was to utterly destroy. They chose to not utterly destroy them. And it's in verse 9. Uh, they kept all that was good, but utterly destroyed everything that was vile and refuse. So they kept some stuff back. Um, in essence, he partially obeyed God. 
Partial disobedience is full disobedience. You're either on one side of the line or you're on the other. There's, there's no middle. When it comes to obedience to God, there is no middle, middle road. We can't say, well, it's, that's not that bad of a thing to do. You know, I, I, I listen over here and, and I don't do these big things. Uh, that, that's kind of that's where our minds and our, our thoughts and our hearts kind of tend to gravitate to. To downplay really, you know, the little things. Um, and, and, and a lot of times, um, like what I say, what I used to say to some of the men in the jails, I used to say, if you, if you don't take care of those little sins from, you know, when they happen, you'll hide it. And the next one comes along, you'll hide it. And you'll keep hiding them until those little sins become a big one. And that big one may be the one that, that destroys you, the one that puts you in a place where you can't come back from. So the little sins are, are really the most important ones. Um, so partial obedience is disobedience. Next, we're going to look at Saul's message. In verse 10, he says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. Does that sound familiar? It repenteth me. Remember the story of Noah and the flood? And when God looked at the, looked at the people and looked at the earth and, and saw everything was wicked, it repented him that he even made man. That's, that's tough language. So it, re, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. So God was grieved with Saul because of his disobedience. I'm going to read something from Genesis 6-6, just to kind of put it back into your guys' remembrance. I'm going to start at 5, and he says, And God saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So disobedience grieves, grieves God. Um, God spoke to Samuel, and God was grieved with Saul because of his disobedience. Uh, and then we see that Samuel went to Saul. Saul told Samuel that he had obeyed God. And let's read that in verse 13. It says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. So somehow, and for some reason, in his mind, he had thought that he had done what the Lord wanted him to do. He had thought that he had done the right thing. He thought he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. So Saul told Samuel he had obeyed God. To number C, or letter C, Samuel asked Saul why it was that he was hearing the livestock. And let's look at uh, verse 14. And Samuel said, 
This is after Saul said that he had did what the Lord told him to do. And Samuel said, what meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? So he's asking them, if you've done, if you've done what I told you to do, then, then why am I hearing this stuff? Why am I hearing these, these, these people? Why am I hearing these animals? He's asking them, what's going on? Why am I hearing this? Um, and Saul, in, chapter, in verse 15, Saul said that they have brought them from the Amalekites, talking about the animals, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So we see Saul, he didn't take, it up, he didn't take the blame on himself, He's blaming the people. He says there, they have brought them from the Amalekites. So he's blaming the people for bringing the animals that they were supposed to destroy. Um, they wanted to use the best of the animals to sacrifice God. D. Samuel gave Saul the message he had received from God in 16. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. We'll go ahead and read 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. So Saul, Samuel gave Saul the message that he had received from God. He, re, he reminded Saul in verse 17 um, of his humble beginnings. Uh, he kind of wanted him to step back and just look and, and, and see where he came from, that, that he came from nothing. Um, and he wanted him to realize that, that he had been kind of exalted in a way to be, to be a leader, uh, to lead the people. And then in verse 18, Samuel repeated the clear command of God. He repeated it to him again. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites to fight against them until they be consumed. So he had to remind him again what the, what the Lord said. He had to remind him a second time. And then in verse 19, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. So Saul did not obey God. Uh, he listened, but he just didn't obey him. Um, God called his partial obedience evil. If you look back in verse 19, it says, Wherefore then thou, didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. So Samuel's telling Saul that what he did, apparently in Saul's eyes, didn't think was so evil. He didn't think it was evil to keep back some of the good spoil from the people that he was supposed to destroy. He didn't think it was evil, but God called it evil. God used the word evil to describe Saul's partial disobedience. 
And that ought to kind of kind of give us a thought in our head and get us to thinking. Um, if God tells Saul that partial disobedience is evil and what he did, then what about our disobedience? What about, what about when we're not totally disobedient to God? It's probably evil. That's <laughs> uh, it's kind of sobering, very sobering to think that, that just the littlest sin that you commit, you know, to us nowadays, um, like I said, we can, we can downplay sin and, and we can think that some of the little sins don't really mean that much anymore. But, but to God, everything matters. Um, when, when God told him, uh, Saul, to go in and destroy all the people and all the animals, he meant all. So anything less than killing all of them is, is being disobedient. How, however small you think it is, it's disobedience. And it was to him. In verse 20, we read, And Saul said unto Samuel, Again, he says it again, even after being rebuked and being told what God told him to do, being shown that he didn't do what God told him to do, he's going he's gonna to defend himself again. He says, And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So for some reason in Saul's brain, he's thinking he did right in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't. And that's kind of a lesson that we can get out of that, is, is, is we can be that same way. We can, we can be that way towards sin. We can we cannot even see sin as sin. It can, we can, it's almost like we could be blinded from, from some, some sins that we do. We can be blinded from it. Which is why we have lessons like this that kind of remind us. And, and why studying the Bible and why getting into the Word of God on a daily basis. It's not just to give us something to do, to waste our time to read. You know, to get rid of an hour. It's, it's for our admonition is, is for our edification and, and it's for our, for our learning um, because how do we know what's a small sin in God's eyes unless we read, read about it like in the story here you know animals, animals are, are lower on the stature than, than people right so, so, so Saul could have thought you know, what's, what the heck I don't have to destroy them all why, why, why destroy them all these are good we can use them and, and that's, not, that's not what he was told to do. So he was disobedient because of something that really he thought he was doing. And I think that's, our heart plays a, a big part in that where, um, you know, our hearts can deceive us. Um, our hearts can deceive us and, and get us to thinking things that, that aren't right. Um, and, he, and, and, and blind us from seeing things that, that we're not supposed to do. Um, so Saul stubbornly defended his actions and continued to blame the people. And verse 21 says, But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So it wasn't only Saul, it was all the people too. 
All the people thought that they could keep back the best out of the, the animals and, and thought that would be a good sacrifice to God. They thought they were doing the right thing too. And they weren't. They, they were just totally disobedient, disobedient to God. So in F here at the bottom, it says this is an important lesson for us. Should we view partial obedience as being the same as complete obedience? Is that the truth? <laughs> right? We live in a world that, um, that, that truth doesn't matter. And, and everybody can have their own truth. Is what we're being told nowadays. But there is only one truth. You have partial disobedience and disobedience. Which one's, which one's right? We have, a make, we have a decision to make. And, and God wants us to make the right decision. Which is why we have stories like this that remind us about his word. It says, can you think of an example of how we might dismiss or justify some area of disobedience because we have obeyed in some other way? So we can, we, can, we can get in our, our minds that, that because we're doing so good in this area, um, I'll just use myself for an instance. For a, a, I can think, I'm doing great. I haven't touched a cigarette in six years. I haven't drank alcohol in six years because of, because of God. And that's great. I'm doing awesome, Right? But what about when I'm driving down the road and somebody cuts me off and, and I have a bad thought in my head about them, which happens daily. It happens daily, you know? And, and that, that's, to, to, to the world, having a bad thought about somebody is just something small. That, that's nothing. To the world, that's nothing. But, but to a born-again Christian, that should be something. That should be something to make us at that moment, say, God, I'm sorry for doing that. Please forgive me. So in, the, in those moments of those little sins is where we need to really watch. Um, people go through their lives and, and, and do those kind of little sins without even thinking about it. And there's a lot of them. There's a lot of different types. And, and, and they just keep building up and building up. And like I said, once those little sins keep building up and building up, they can grow into a big sin later on because you have that thought of sin of being just nothing. Look at G. So Samuel gave Saul God's perspective because he wasn't getting it. He had told him twice already where he disobeyed God and Saul just kept defending himself. It took two times. Now he's going to give him God's perspective in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft 
Listen to that again. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Samuel be- began with a question. He said, do you, think is God, do you think God is more, the word is delighted, in sacrifices than he is in obedience? He asked Saul a question. That's a question we can ask ourselves. Do you think God is more delighted in sacrifices than he is in obedience? In our lives, the question would be, do you think God is more delighted in what good you do? The, the good things you do? Do you think he's more delighted in that than just obedience? This is a good question for us to consider. Does the fact that we sacrifice to God in some ways nullify the fact that we are disobeying him in other areas? It's complete disobedience. Or, or, I'm sorry, it's complete obedience is, is, is the mark. Our mark is complete obedience. Uh, And that's not an easy task. That's not easy. But that's what we should strive for. That's what what we should think about every day. About being as obedient as we can. We need to strive for complete and strict obedience to God. To obey and hearken is better than sacrifices. In 22, he says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So we need to get our minds off of the the good things that we do and the good that we do as far as being obedient to God. Get our minds off of that and think about where we're not being obedient. Kind of, take invoice of ourselves, take stock and see where we're at on a daily basis. Uh, Number four says, direct obedience, rebellion is the same as witchcraft. And he says that in verse 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So it's it's very serious in God's eyes. Stubbornness is as Iniquity and idolatry. One reason stubbornness is compared to idolatry may be that when one refuses to obey God, they are exalting themselves and their will above that of God. I don't, I don't think I wake up early in the morning and, and purposely say, I'm going to exalt myself above the will of God today. I don't think anybody really does that. You have to be pretty wicked to, to wake up in the morning and, and say that. But that's where we can end up. Easily. Very easily. Um, so how do you think these truths should affect our lives? They should affect us by making us look inwardly at ourselves daily. Um, taking stock to see where we're at uh, spiritually on a daily basis. Because Saul rejected God's command, God rejected him from being king. Though Saul would continue in his role for a time, 
So it wasn't immediate. It wasn't, it wasn't immediate that, that he was rejected as king. Uh, though he would continue in his role for a time, he would be replaced by a man after God's heart. So in 24, let's read verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So Saul's confession was only a partial confession. It was only a partial confession. Did you hear what he said? He feared the people and obeyed their voice. So again, he's going to blame the people again. He's not going to take the blame on himself. He's not going to, he's not going to say, okay, it was my fault. I'm the leader here. I should be the one to take all the blame. He's blame, blaming part of it on the people again. Um, and then he begged for forgiveness. 25, now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. And in verse 26, and Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king of Israel. So Saul's confession was a partial confession. He blamed his actions on his fear of the people. He begged for forgiveness. And then again, Samuel was firm in repeating, again, the consequences of his actions. He was going to be rejected as king. So Samuel restated the fact that Saul would be replaced. Verse 27, And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. So again, he told him what was going to happen. He repeated himself, because Saul wasn't getting it. Uh, Saul, I think in his mind, thought that, 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 that keeping keeping those animals back and, and saving one person wasn't that bad of a sin, so yeah, I can just go and sacrifice, and I can go worship God, and, and he's not going to really matter. Besides, when I burnt the incense, he didn't do nothing to me then. Right? We can be the same way. We can, we can commit a sin this day and, and go through our day, and nothing bad happens. Nothing bad happens to us the whole day. Every, the day can go perfectly right. I could be at work, everything goes right. I don't have one screw that goes in wrong. I don't have anything break at work, no toilets leaking. And think, wow, you know, that sin that I committed earlier, God didn't do nothing to me. And, and as, we, as we keep on sending those little sins and nothing happens and nothing happens and nothing happens, we can get into a, a place where we just think that sin doesn't matter in, anymore which is where this world is nowadays, our society. You know, uh, a lot of people in this society, you mention sin to them, and, and they, they, they kind of come back at you and say, oh, those are just little mistakes I make. It's no big deal. I ain't hurting nobody. But truthfully, you're hurting God. We ought to not think about who we're hurting in this world and, and really who made us and, and 
who we're supposed to be obedient to and who we're hurting when we do these things. Um, so Samuel restated the fact that Saul would be replaced and then God would not change his decision. Verse 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent. So he reminded them that God is not going to repent for this. He's not going to change his mind. Morning, Betty. So Saul begged for his honor or reputation to be salvaged in verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. So Saul again thought this time that his sin was so small that, that all he had to do was worship God and everything was going to be okay. That God was going to change his mind. And God would not change his decision. Um, what does it say about us when we are more concerned with what others think of us than what God knows about us? Um, that happens a lot. We can always... we can, we can we can do things because people think certain things about us or what we're going to do. Um, the, the stock that we put in some people can, can change the way we act, change the way we do things. So we need to guard ourselves about um, listening to other people and, and worrying about what this person thinks and what that person's going to think or what I do and, and think about what God thinks. Um, so in verse 32... We read, Then said Samuel, Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord of Gigal. So we see not only Saul supposedly a man of God thought of sin as being nothing well so did Agag Agag thought you know that was, that was in the past um, that wasn't such a big deal look how much time has passed uh, surely surely God will let me live so again Agag is downplaying sin so if a man who is not a godly man downplay sin um, or if Saul can downplay sin like he did how can we downplay sin you know that's something we need to guard in our lives and 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 not think of of sin as just being a mistake or, or just something that that oh God will forget it you know it's, it's something it's not that big a deal God doesn't worry about that well Obviously he does because Agag was cut into pieces because of the sin that he committed. Um, so Samuel killed Agag who was expecting leniency. Samuel did this before the Lord. He knew it was what God had wanted. Um, and in verse 34, Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house 
to Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. There's that word again, repented. God was sorry that he made him king over Israel. Um, So Samuel and Saul parted company. Though Samuel would see Saul no more, he still mourned for him. Many of us can relate to this sadness. Uh, We have experienced the pain of seeing those we love turn away from God. The Lord also grieved over Saul's decisions. So some principles and applications. Um, One of the important takeaways from the rise and fall of Saul is the way God views partial disobedience. It is clear that Saul did not view it the way that God views it. And that's the same for us. We don't view sin the same that God does. Which is why we need to listen to him. Because in our eyes, sin isn't that bad. Another familiar lesson we uh, are reminded of in this passage is how easy and common it is to blame our failures on others. Sometimes we don't want to want to take ownership of everything we do, uh, whether we be ashamed of it um, or whether we just don't believe that it is that bad of a thing. Uh, sometimes we just want to blame others. Um, so we see in Saul's story how sin separates us from God and others. Um, so next week we're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. Uh, anybody have anything to add or question? Yes, sir. Excuse me? So rebellion is going against what is right or what God said. So uh, let's, say, let's say God says, don't do this. Well, to do it is being rebellious. Um, I, I was a very, very rebellious kid. Um, I should have been smited myself. <laughs> I was very rebellious. Um, always did what I was not supposed to do. And that got me into a lot of trouble. So that's what rebellion is. It's when, you, when, you're, when you're being a rebel, you're, you're, you're going against the grain. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing what's right. Okay, well, thanks a lot. And I appreciate you guys listening. Um, I hope you guys got something out of it today. And, and just kind of remember that on a daily basis, we need to kind of take stock at where we are and, 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 and change things that need to be changed. Because in all of us, there are some things that need to be changed, and, and, and we may think it's a small thing, but, but God doesn't think that those little things are small. The smallest is equal to the biggest in God's eyes. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys.